Hi everybody and welcome to this, the audio recording of the webinar recorded the 28th of October 2020. So before we go too far, huge thank you uh, as always to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners Aztec, the Green Part Specialist, Indasa and the Innovation Group. Great lineup for you today. We've got Richard Ketley, Head of Network at Innovation Group. We've got Stuart Sandal, Assistant Vice President, Sales UK and Ireland Enterprise Holdings. And we've got Luke Stafford, Sales Manager, New Business, BASF. Touching upon a variety of subjects, uh, obviously current pandemic situation, Q4, what that means, sustainability, bit longer term and all the factors that come into play there, as well as the future. So looking two to three years ahead and just having a conversation around there. So sit back, relax and enjoy this recording. So uh, first and foremost, a huge thank you, as always, to our corporate partners who are BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Part Specialists in DASA, and the Innovation Group. As per usual on the webinars, a little bit of a disclaimer, so it's on the screen, but we'll also read it out. Uh, so the views and opinions expressed during the following webinar are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the contributors, employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual. Please respect any all contributions and we encourage you to join the conversation via the interactive functions available. And so today's lineup. We've got Richard Ketley, Head of Network at the Innovation Group. We've got Stuart Sandal, Assistant Vice President, President Sales, UK and Ireland, Enterprise Holdings. And we've got Luke Stafford, Sales Manager, New Business at BASF. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So I'll, uh, we'll come round and uh, we'll let you guys uh, introduce yourselves. So Luke, I'll uh, step across to you if I may first. Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Um, afternoon. Luke Stafford here. Um, as Mark said, Sales Manager New Business at BASF. Um, I've been reliably informed by LinkedIn. I've been in the industry for 12 and a half years now. Um, most recent of those uh, five at BASF, where me and my team are responsible for um, the growth of the Glazra and RM brands. Super stuff. Thank you very much, Luke. And we've got, uh, obviously, plenty to discuss with you. Lots of exciting stuff going on at the moment with BASF. And uh, Stuart, if we'll come across to you, if we may. Thanks, Mark. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Stuart Sandal from Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, I've been in the enterprise business for 19 years, so uh, a long time, 10 years of that in operational side of things. Um, and then the last uh, nine years or so working um, in sales, my current role sees me overseeing our UK and Ireland sales divisions for replacement rental, um, our flexi-rent commercial leasing business, and uh, also our affinity and partnerships business. Um, so uh, a fair old time in the industry. 19 years, Stuart, 19 years. I know, I know everyone, it doesn't look old enough, but we'll get back to that in soon. Richard Ketley, over to you if we may. Yeah, hi, thanks, Mark. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, Richard Ketley, Head of Network for Innovation Group. Um, been with Innovation Group for six years. I think I've been in the industry since I left school, so that's about 30 years now. Um, been head of network for the last couple of years for Innovation Group, um, and my role is to provide uh, a repair network for our clients uh, to meet all capabilities. So it, that includes car, light, commercial, and commercial vehicles. Um, and I have the overall operational control of, of that team, which includes uh, an office-based team as well as a field-based and, um, and an audit team. Um, so yeah, that, that's me in a nutshell right now. Um, been knocking around for a while, I guess. <laughs> been knocking around for a while. And you can find out more about Richard's uh, knocking around the industry on, uh, on the podcast that we recorded a few weeks ago. Great insight into his career path uh, to date and, uh, and all that's going on with himself and the innovation group and the network. So uh, well worth a listen. So to kick things off, um, in the usual fashion, if you like, we're going to run a little bit of a poll. So uh, people who tune in regularly will be familiar with this. And again, it's not restricted. It's, it's open to all to have a quick vote. So 
very simply, uh, have you experienced a change in claims volumes over the past few weeks? Significant increase, slight increase, remain static, slight decrease or significant decrease. And again, it's all anonymous. We can't see who's voting for what. So uh, just an indicator of what's happening out there within the industry at the moment. So cast your votes will give people a little bit of a chance to join in that. Okay. All right. Looks like everything's come in. Let me share the results. Uh, slight increase, 33%. That's the good news. Remain static, 21%. Slight decrease, 38% and significant decrease 7%. So again, we spoke last time, local lockdowns, local restrictions potentially having an impact. So that could be a, a result of that. And obviously a few weeks or next week, I think we may see sight of the sort of CAPS data as well, which will give us a far greater picture of what's happening out there. So, um, but uh, certainly a bit of a gauge and anecdotally uh, from you guys. So I'll come to you if I, if I may first, Richard. So. You know, from your perspective, what, what does the industry look like uh, right now? Uh, I think the poll that you've just run sums it up, basically, Mark. Um, volumes are still inconsistent. I think it, it's fair to say most people have seen quite a large increase from where we were um, from April, where, you know, everyone's numbers just completely dropped, um, but still very, very inconsistent. Um slight increase week on week but it, it's it's erratic um i see different areas of the country busy one week and not so the next week i take quite a number of calls from repairers each week um just checking in and, and, and seeing what volumes are like and you know i think from a national point of view that's what we see it's it's still very inconsistent um i think a lot of repairers are still trying to contemplate what uh the new normal is going to look like right now um, and I think that's further complicated by the local lockdowns that you've just mentioned, because um, I think that may, may, we don't know yet, have a bit of an impact in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, uh, you know, again, very mixed, mixed bag in terms of people we all speak to, I'm sure. Um, and, and everything we see, you know, the headline news, lots of uh, uh, businesses expanding at this current moment in time, whilst of course you know others are are, are really suffering out there. So um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing a, you know different pictures everywhere. So Stuart, from from your side, from where you sit, again, how is the sort of uh, you know the world according to to Stuart Sandal and Enterprise right now? I think uh, kind of echo really what Richard was just saying. Then um, definitely uncertainty, I think, is uh, is around everywhere in terms of uh, volumes. We, we, we tend to be about sort of seven to 14 days behind the curve in, when it comes to uh, seeing the impact of drops in claims. Obviously, people take mobility after, not, not the day they have their accident, but when they go for repair. So we try and pull data from as many places as we can to try and understand that. Um, one of the things which may be interesting this year to, to, to see is, I think I think the claims are dropping back a little bit at the moment with restrictions and traffic volumes dropping. But we would typically see this time of year about an 8% increase because of the clock change. So that normally has an impact. And I think for the last five years, I think our average is about 8% increase in replacement rentals after the clock's change. So whether that smooths off what might be a declining kind of claims volume and keeps it flat, you know, might, that might hide a couple of things in there. Um, but I think overriding, you know, there, there is just this uncertainty in volumes. And I think everybody, you know, is, is, is nervous about that more than anything right now. And further lockdowns, does that bring less claims and, you know, more inconsistency? And it's tricky to plan. Great stuff. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah. And there was obviously well, yourself and, and others were, were talking about sort of, you know, the changing clocks and the increase in accidents um, earlier in the week. We saw some press statements and things go out there. So. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, what is that sort of covering up as a real picture at the moment? So uh, across you, Luke, um, again, slightly different, I suppose, perspective on the world. But, um, mm. you know, you're still out there. You're in contact with lots of body shops and speaking to lots of people. So how's it looking from where you sit? Uh, a bit like what um, both Stuart and Richard said, really, it's uh, it's quite inconsistent at the minute. Um, we have to wait probably another couple of weeks after Stuart before we see the uh, the impact on on us as well. So, uh, like like him, we're trying to keep an eye on what's going on. Um, uh, yeah, that inconsistency is is quite clear. The local lockdowns are clearly going to have an effect. But um, one thing we have noticed in the industry really is 
we all had that forced period of reflection um, back during the lockdown. And there's actually a lot of new and interesting things that people are implementing in the industry um, that maybe they had a chance to have a bit of a strategy around during that lockdown. So yeah, it's challenging at the minute, but um, actually there's quite a lot of exciting change that appears to be happening as well. So we're all keeping an eye on what's going on with the second wave and further into the future with, with Brexit. But right now um, we're having some very interesting conversations about new and innovative things in the industry. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, um, you know, real valid points. Um, you know, despite the negatives, um, there are some real positive things happening out there. Some, some people approaching this in, in very different ways and, and looking at the opportunities. So, yeah, we, we certainly, um, you know, as hard as it may seem not to get bogged down too much in the negative, it's, it's uh, certainly worth raising those, uh, you know, the good points to come from this. And just a, uh, a quick message from Kevin at CAPS. CAPS data should be available Wednesday, Thursday next week. So thanks for that, uh, Kevin. And um, so, an awful lot kind of coming at us and we sort of summarized it in the in the previous session we've got you know the sort of imminent end of of the furlough scheme obviously it changes across to the um, job support scheme and we've got brexit looming we've got these local restrictions in place so richard if i if i come to you so from your point of view you know q4 how are you approaching q4 and and likewise how are you kind of working with your your supply chain to 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 get your way through this i suppose um, I think approaching Q4, I, I think we're taking um, some of the learnings that, you know, we've picked up, as Luke just said, af after March, we went into a period of um, looking at our business, looking at our processes, looking at how we can improve, knowing that we're going to have to adapt to our business. Um, we've kind of got a learnings from lockdown banner that we use within the business where, um, you know, we're, we're looking at ideas. Um looking at strengthening my network team um, to bring some more um, depth into there. Um, I'm looking, you know, we've got a couple of guys dedicated now as sort of like problem solvers to pick up the phone, um, help repairs where they need to, to assist in, in things that um, are unwinding for them in Q4. Um, you know, we're monitoring the various lockdowns um, almost on a weekly basis by now. Uh, we're communicating with our network regularly. We're reaching out to them. Um, we're getting to feed in any um, issues that they see so that we can be ready to meet and help as, as they arise. Um, talking about some of the initiatives um, that we're seeing in the industry. So we've just created um, an estimating forum. Um, and, and that's a, a forum between our in-house engineers and repairers. Um, I think one thing we've all learned from lockdown, um, there's lots more technology available now for communication. So we, we have a weekly call with some repairers and engineers uh, and feedback is really great there. Um, we had a lot of initiatives running prior to lockdown um, and the repairers really feel that um, that's really helpful. Um, it's great to be able to touch base with somebody in a video call like this or, or a webinar um, and talk through different issues. Um, you know, we've got a lot of engagement going on as well with our network. We, we recently ran six webinars last month um, to talk repairs through some change we've made. And that's something we're looking to roll out even further. So I think Q4, um, the way we're looking at it, we know there's a lot of disruption coming for repairers. Um, can't really plan yet um so yeah we're just trying to make sure that we reach out we keep in touch we know what's coming down the line share that information um and engage with with our supply chain our repairers to make sure that we're there to support them and and feed information backwards and forwards uh to support each other really that sounds like great um additions to the infrastructure that you've got there richard so um you know hats off to you for, for doing that and uh you know i'm sure the uh the repairers on board um you know sort of fill a feel a bit more supported in that sense. Um, and, and I think that's, that can only be a good thing. And I think that way you kind of get the two-way communication going, which is essential for you, obviously, to understand, you know, the availability within the network and likewise from their perspective to understand that uh, what's likely to be coming their way. 
Um, Stuart, same thing for you, really. You know, kind of Q4, if we take that, uh, you know, how are you guys approaching it? Um, and how are you working with, you know, the supply chain to, to navigate your way through it, really? I think um, if you were to put it into one phrase, I think Q4, cautious optimism is probably uh, the, the, the way that we're approaching it as a business right now. I mean, obviously, the last six months or longer than that now even has been really challenging for any, any business particularly, you know, we're linked to the travel sector massively. So away from the obvious you know, parts that we do with the replacement rental for insurance and body shops, you know, our link to the travel sector can't be avoided or ignored at this stage. So, you know, we, we've been through, you know, a really challenging period and that, that part of our business still remains, you know, um, really unstable. Um, and airports, you know, which would have been, again, through holiday periods and that really, really big business for, for us as a global brand, you know, are, are, are all but... Um, sort of 50% or further back. Um, but I think because we've got a rich and the diverse business, we, you know, we, we feel really good about how we're going to relocate, uh, reallocate our resources to our home city branches. You know, that's our fleet. And, and we've had some parts of our business do really well. So, you know, the flexible leasing business has grown significantly during the period. Um, some of our work with public sector and obviously claims volumes returning means that, you know, our replacement rental business. So that puts us in, you know, a pretty good shape and, you know, our, our, our business has recovered really well. So I think we're very optimistic. And I think when you when you look at that from a supply chain perspective, obviously, as a supplier of repair to the industry from our own fleet repairs and also repairs we do on behalf of um, insurers, brokers, fleet and accident management companies. I think, you know, echoing really Richard's points, is it's about really good communication. You know, if we, if we can continue to be, you know, strong uh, and successful and grow back, then we can, you know, fill those body shops with some of our work. Um, so using the technology we've got to make sure it's easy to do business with us, I think that's really important. I think when we see ourselves as a supplier and also with our own supply chain, it's, it's always good if you can find people who are easy to do business with, um, you know, balance to make sure that we're competitive in the marketplace and winning new business and, and, and are able to then provide profitable repair work to, to repairers. Um, and I think also just paying people promptly can be something that's really important at times like this. So it's, it's such a simple thing to do, but again, that's something that we have to reflect on, you know, as a as a supplier uh, and you know to our own supply chain. So I think you know some critical things there: technology, speed of payment, um, and really good lines of communication. Great stuff, thanks, Stuart. And and again, a lot of those things were talked about very early on, um, and you know, arguably still some of the most important things that uh, that are there now. So uh, so no, it's it's good to hear that um, you know finger on the pulse in terms of those uh, those topical issues. And and Luke, from your perspective, uh, you know, Q four, you've obviously will come on to it, but kind of you know an exciting product launch if you like. But um, you know, generally, how are you working with the supply chain to sort of you know navigate these waters? Um, well. Uh... On the risk of echoing what the guys have said, really taking the lessons that we learned during lockdown um, and uh, and trying to implement them and, and be aware of what's coming ahead of us, or at least trying to get that crystal ball out and, and foresee what we can foresee. Um, so uh, staying in regular contact with everyone in the supply chain has been really key for us. Um, trying to be proactive about things like stock management um, with Brexit on the horizon, because we're all focusing on COVID at the minute. Um, but we've been doing that and then um, really around new ways of supporting and working with the customers. So we've got a new dashboard tool that we've recently launched um, that is there to support the customers remotely and, and our technical team, team can dial in and, and work with them on that. And that's been um, successful as, we, as we've been rolling that out and just other ways of communicating with people. I think we've all become very familiar with Zoom and that's maybe just uh, sped up during this whole process um so yeah taking those lessons um, that we've learned implementing them uh, and being more prepared if there is a second lockdown um to try and work a bit differently great stuff thanks very much luke and yes very familiar with uh, with technology and zoom and as stuart pointed out earlier no this board isn't constantly attached to me so if you do see me in person without that board behind me do not fear it's uh, it's nothing major um so sustainability was kind of, you know, one of the key headlines and, and everything we've kind of already discussed and probably learnt as is part of this whole sustainability piece. But it's a it's a term that's been bandied around for a long time. Um, and in light of obviously recent events, it kind of seems to have you know taken on a bit more of a meaning now uh, in various guises. But what does it mean exactly to your organisation in the context of the sector? And um, Stuart, I'll come to you first on that one, if I can. 
Yeah, so I think sustainability is quite, you know, it's, it's a big old, big old term. And I think, I think when we think about sustainability as a business, you know, a lot of that's about, you know, having a good plan and making sure you make, you know, sensible decisions for the short, medium and long term. Um, and then also being able to react really well as, as well. So, you know, we, we had lots of plans and conversations in flight around customer experience as a business and how we were going to adapt the way that we serve customers. And that was all led by people wanting more personalized service and, and you know, more technology enabled service. And COVID for us, actually, I remember talking about this right at the beginning in the um, when you did the festival, it, it, it suddenly shifted where our focus had to be. So we listened to what our customers were telling us and we found out which parts of that customer experience had now become important to them. So I think sustainability is about having a plan, but not being afraid to sometimes move off it or redirect your plan to what's going on around you, because some of the changes that have happened as a result of COVID, whether they're in a repair or in a, in a retail environment or in a car rental business, they're fairly permanent, I think, a lot of those changes in the way we, we, we interact with customers. So I think, you know, sustainability for me is about having good plans, but then also being able to react to the, to the environment around you. And I think in the context of, of wider business, you know, and, and again, I'm going to look at our sector a little bit in terms of mobility and car rental. I think diversity uh, within your business is really healthy. Um, we've seen one channel of our business dry up, all, all but dry up, leisure and airport business travel. Um, but because we've got multiple channels of business, we've been able to react and shift and, and grow elsewhere. Um, but what we've seen with others in our sector where they're so reliant on one stream of work that that sustainability comes into question when that, that, that channel dries up. And I think that can easily be reflected when you talk about, you know, repairers and body shops. If you're very niche or you're only taking your work from one particular stream, uh, that can bring with it its own kind of risks whilst you might be very good at that, you know, if, if there's any uh, changes uh, in demand. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and you know, I, I suppose a business like yours has got to be ready to turn that tap back on as soon as, you know, the leisure and, and uh, industry, you know, takes off once again, really. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to have that adaptability. So, yeah, but, you know, absolutely key, I think. And I think that's something that's been, you know, we've raised several times on the, on the webinars over the week is having that agility to move, yet still maintaining those sort of long term plans, if you like. Um, and Luke, I, I come across to you, um, you know, sustainability is obviously a big piece of BASF as a, as a whole and, uh, you know, most businesses now. But, um, you know, in context, in the context of the sector, um, you know, I've alluded to kind of, you know, various understandable, you know, products coming to, to the market potentially in the near future. But, um, you know, what does it mean to you guys, really? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we're the world's largest chemical company. So the whole strap line of us is we create chemistry for a sustainable future. So uh, we have it sort of imprinted on the back of your, on the chip that they put in the back of your head there. Sustainability is a core part of, of what we do. So specifically with our sector, obviously, um, we've, we've been um, pushing the environmental side of um, sustainability for quite a while now. That's obviously becoming more and more um, uh in the uh, mindset of everyone, really, all consumers. Um, and so we launched our eSense and our EcoBalance range of um, undercoats and topcoats about 18 months ago now. Um, and that's specifically focused on reducing CO2. Um, and uh, yeah, next couple of months, sort of watch this space, we have some unique and new solutions that are going to be coming to the market. And that's designed specifically to try and increase throughput, but also reduce that environmental impact as well. So that's something quite exciting. Um, but if we talk about sustainability as a broader thing and sustainability of our industry, obviously we've been um, talking about getting younger people into this industry for a long time. Um, we were a, um, one of the initial plat platinum partner partners of AutoRaise. Um, and I think getting young people in is still gonna be a real key um, sort of focus point for for the industry um, and that's not just um, for young productives in in the body shops but that's also for uh, the sort of people that are the next generation of business leaders and, and uh, that will be running the business in the in the next 10 years as well because there's a big gap um, uh, across the board on that front 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, apprentices, again, has been one of those conversations we've had over the weeks. Um, and it's almost, yeah, you know, sort of, you know, backfilling for want of a better term. But, um, yeah, we just continue need to continue that despite obviously everyone's sights being set elsewhere and distractions elsewhere at the moment. It's um, it's critical that we keep to keep, um, you know, fresh blood coming into the industry. So we're just going to run a, another little poll, if we may. So uh, sustainability. Um, so we'll launch it there. So drilling down beyond the three key business sustainability pillars of environmental, financial and social, what would you class as your top sustainability focus right now? So I've just laid out a few ideas, business agility, cost reduction, environmental impact, personnel, enhanced relationships, deployment of technology, business growth, improved efficiencies. And again, uh, everything's anonymous. We can't see what anyone is voting for. So just cast your votes. Be good to get just a bit of an insight into people's thoughts at the moment. Again, I think when you talk sustainability, arguably most people immediately go for the sort of, you know, think environmental, but, um, you know, we are talking rounded business approach here. So I'll just give a couple more votes to come in. All right. Interesting one. Going to keep the results to myself. No, not really. Um, all right. So what do we got? Uh, business agility. So, Stuart, you hit the nail on the head there with that one. Thirty five percent there. Where else have we got improved efficiencies? So we've spoken a lot about processes in recent weeks as well. Business growth. Fourteen percent. That's a very interesting one to have there. So great stuff. Richard, I'll come to you if I may then. Um, so kind of moving it on, I suppose, a, a little bit uh, and having seen what you've you've just seen there, what, what are the key sort of focal areas of sustainability within the sector right now that you're kind of getting feedback on, whether it be yourselves at Innovation Group and or, you know, the network that you're you're working with? Um, from a repairer point of view, from, from where we sit, you know, obviously looking after repairers, um, I think it is that business adaptability that, you know, the poll reflects and, and Stuart's obviously mentioned originally. Um, repairers are adapting. They are trying to change. I think it was interesting seeing the the business growth having quite a large percentage there. Um, you know, it's quite obvious a lot of groups at the moment that are looking around um, for opportunities and, and buying other sites. And, you know, is, is that part of their sustainability plan to you know, expand, expand their business footprints, um, gather more capacity, more work volume via a new site, would that help sustain their business? Um, it's an interesting one to watch over the over the coming weeks, I think. Um, some repairers, um, I think, are just trying to weather the storm, um, you know, in the next few weeks, as we said, furlough is going to finish. We're going to move to um, the JSS scheme. What's that going to mean for businesses? Um, it's a very interesting um, time right now for repairers and, and, and sustainability is is a very big word to use. Um, and I think it might mean lots of different things for lots of different repairers for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. We've got, um, you know, a massive spectrum of repairers out there. And, uh, you know, as we saw from, well, both the polls we've we've just done actually um you know there's a real split in terms of where people are are currently um you know uh exercising their energies if you like and and stuart um you know amongst you've obviously talked about kind of enterprise and and um you know your focus on sustainability or like or if you like or the key areas there industry-wide stakeholders you know again does it kind of align with what we've just seen from the poll there in terms of your thoughts and, you know, the feedback you get from industry? Is it that kind of adaptability that, that continues to be key amongst everyone? Yeah, I think anyone was a bit surprised about the poll was that technology wasn't a bit higher up from a sustainability standpoint. And sort of just reflecting on what Richard's just said, you've got that word sustainability now. If you look at the repair sector, you've got some that are probably worried about next month and some that are investing in sites that means that they've got sustainability plans over the next number of years so I think it's uh, very much sort of subjective as to where your your uh, your viewpoint is in there I think you know cross industry um, I think most of the, the sort of large organizations that we talk to and deal with 
have all reacted, put in place plans, um, and somewhat stabilized. Um, so sustainability is much more of a, a further out process now. They're looking to the longer term future rather than the immediacy of reacting to what was going on around them. Um, and, and again, I hear a lot of optimism in the industry and I see, you know, certainly it's exciting when you see new body shops opening and when you see some of the names of the people that are associated with them, which are, you know, stalwarts of the industry as well. So um, I, I think generally speaking, I think we're in, you know, there should be this optimism around amongst all of that. Um, and I certainly see that across across the industry from different uh, parts of the supply chain, or even when I speak to the insurers and the brokers, you know, that, that there's not, you know, that there is that kind of general optimism that we will get back to normality at some point. I don't know if that completely answers the question, but no, no, I think you're you're there or thereabouts for sure. And as you say, you know, some of the names that you've seen um, acquiring, opening up new sites. Um, it is exciting and, and to actually see, you know, ultimately what they'll do with them, um, you know, how they'll approach things differently. Is this their chance to kind of, you know, put their, you know, dare I say it, you know, post COVID stamp on, on the way that they do business. Um, it, it possibly could be, I mean, all to be revealed, I suppose. Um, so we'll start talking about volumes now, Richard, I'll, I'll skip back to you on this one. So, you know, we're historically an industry built on, on volume relationships. Um, you know, is that still relevant moving ahead? We, we've talked much about this kind of, you know, this 80% going into Q4 as, um, you know, this was going to be the, the figure that we were all looking at and, and whether we reached that or not. 73%, I think we were on the last CAPS report. Um, but will we get back to the 80%? And, and are we moving, you know, are the goalposts moving really in terms of the industry? Um, it's an interesting one, really. Um I think given the very nature of what most of my repairers do and obviously we ourselves do, it's driven by insurance and claims frequency. So what does that mean for all of us if the claim frequency is reduced? Um, how long will it be reduced by? Will it continue to be reduced? Um, I think there's a, a number of things we need to take into consideration there. Um it's kind of twofold. I think we could be looking at the whole um, sector moving slightly. Um, you know, are people who are working from home likely to need their car now? You know, are two car households likely to reduce to one car household? Will that impact our volume? Um, I think we're still going to be as a repairer network um, in some kind of volume relationship. It, it's what has happened historically over years. You know, most people have insurance, which they will use to claim on when they have an accident. Whether we see um, that be slightly less significant over the next six to 12 months with projected redundancies and people perhaps not making claims or not wanting to pay excesses, um, maybe we'll see slightly more people making um, trips to body shops for private or retail or just cosmetic work rather than make a full insurance claim. Um, I think eventually, coming full circle, we're still going to have large volumes of claims to be placed in a repair network, so it is still going to be a, a, a volume-dependent relationship to a certain extent, but I, I think that relationship will also change um i think we're quite comfortable right now we future proofed our network we have the right repairers in place um we can still place the vast majority of today's work in our network um so yeah i think right now is it a volume relationship when everyone's worried about volume it's hard to say i think in the future potentially there's still going to be a significant volume of, of repair work that insurance companies will need to get placed. Um, so yeah, it may well be. And do you, do you think that might become again, more, more sort of specialist driven Richard as you know, w whether it be near, near or longer term future. I think technology may technology and cars may drive some specialisms. I think if you're a body shop that won't or can't invest in your 
business, in your people, in training. Um, as we see more technology come into vehicles, along with ADAS and everything else that's coming into vehicles, I think some repairers may fall by the wayside because they just won't have the ability to repair those cars. Um, again, I, I think, you know, in terms of volume, it's the vast majority of vehicles. So no, there won't be any specialisms where we see somebody shops move into a specialist or niche area, such as classic cars. Maybe we will just because the cost of um, investing it in training and your staff and all the equipment needed to repair the modern car. Somebody shops may not be able to afford that. So we're at around the midway point and I hope you've enjoyed the audio recording so far. Some great uh, topics of conversation taking place. Uh, as always at this stage, big thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Park Specialists, DASA and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the second half of the recording. Okay, great stuff. Thanks for that, Richard. Great insight. And and Stuart, I'll I'll come across to you on that one. You obviously, you know, big volumes of vehicles out there, uh, big volumes of, of supply to to the industry. Um, what what are your thoughts around that kind of you know volume relationship? Is that you know still the way forward essentially? Yeah, I, I think it's about mix of business. I think the best way to, you know, as a business and almost back to that sustainability point a little bit is, is a good mix of business. If you're reliant on one source for your business, that's really dangerous. And, you know, I can reflect on that as enterprise, you know, if you have a local branch, yes, they'll get business from our big insurer or assistance company relationships, but they have lots of small businesses that send them hires and their local retail customers who come in every weekend and, and I think any business can learn from that kind of approach. Yes, you might get these big volume contracts that, that bring good work in, but it still needs to be good and, and practical and, and fit into a mix of business. And the other piece around sort of specialization, I think, you know, we're having to do all sorts of different things with electric vehicles these days and cars have got more equipment on them and what have you. And again, I think all of that can fit into a volume relationship or within the mix of business. And, you know, I remember when I first got into the insurance industry, a, a very well-known gentleman from the insurance industry said to me, you know, there's no such thing as a bad risk. There's just a badly priced risk risk. And it's the same in any sector in that as a body shop or as a repair or as a car rental company, there's not really bad business. You've just got to price it right and make it fit within the mix of what you do. So if there's going to be more EVs or something, and they're going to be a small volume as a part of it, well, if you can specialize in it, then great. You can, you can uh, maybe make some more margin on those or charge the appropriate price for them within the mix of all the business you do. Um, so I don't think it shifts from either, but I think all businesses should be making sure they've got a good balance. And then even looking at adjacent things that they can do within their business where they can cross skill. You know, I remember many years ago going to body shops who were starting to do MOTs or a bit of service maintenance repair work, that kind of thing, and, and, and create a, a blend of income streams. And I think, you know, covid things that teach us the lessons in that space. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And the conversations, again, yeah, having with people, they're, they're looking at things differently. They're looking laturally now um, at, at other opportunities and, and rightfully so, why wouldn't you kind of thing? And I think that work mix, that is kind of one of the, the key ingredients at the moment. Uh, you touched upon it, vehicle technology, you know, will that drive specialism to some degree, arguably? Yeah, it will. Uh, and I think that's kind of been well documented over the years. But um, but again, you'll still need that mix of work to to provide you with uh, with that right volume. And, and Luke, I'll come across to you on that one. Um, so, again, a little bit kind of, you know, we sort of um, sustainability piece. We've touched upon that. And, and again, you know, from your point of view, um, the, the relationship with the industry, you know, the volume, the, the supply of paint, um, et cetera. You know, how do you how do you see it it's all sort of evolving? Volume is, is what keeps the lights on at the end of the day. I mean, without, without repairs going into the, the shops, we might as well all go home. Um, <clears throat> I do think a, a couple of points that both Stuart and Richard said were, were interesting there. Um, I think the, uh, the ability of body shops to invest um, and, and upskill with the new vehicle technology is really key. We look at the last five years, how much vehicle technology has increased, improved and, and, and advanced. If we look at the average insurance premium quarter three 2015, 474 pounds. We look at it 
average insurance premium quarter three 2020 473 pounds so i still think there's maybe a bit of a disconnect between the underwriting of um and the pricing of those uh premiums and the expectation of um the repair really so i think that's a key thing the other part um that's really interesting for us is uh volume is obviously going to continue to be important but it's the route that that volume takes to get to the repair that may um change and we believe could could change as time goes on um you only have to look at telematics in the vehicles to see that first notification of loss might not be when you phone an insurer it might be that the manufacturer gets more of a, a hold on that there's always going to be a place for um the the model as it sits it's not going to change it's been that way for a long time but it might shift a little bit and that's sort of uh, maybe what i and we see great stuff yeah great thoughts there i must say um yeah and and so um moving things on so what new areas or ways of thinking again we've arguably touched upon quite a few of these but operations do you think will be will be adopted moving ahead and that and that can cover anything from from people's skills the environment we're working in relationships adaptability of business service levels all these things but you know kind of i suppose what are going to be the key areas that, that businesses are going to be focusing on as we move ahead and uh richard i'll come to you on that one if i can um, well, I think we touched on a couple of the other questions um, and, and topics we've already discussed, but I think I think technology is going to be one of the new areas that we're all going to be thinking about. I think we've we've all adapted to Zoom and 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 Teams meetings. Um, we've all um, adapted to working from home to a certain extent. So you know, people not being in the office, not having to you know, physically sit on a desk chair. So people will be key. Um, and you need to look at your, your people and invest in, in their skills. Um, I think we all need to, you know, still consider the long-term effects that this pandemic is going to have on consumer behaviours and how that might change. You know, are, are people going to be more cautious moving forward about, you know, where their repairs repaired and where their vehicles repaired and, and why, et cetera. Um, I think f from our point of view, from innovation group, um, it's definitely going to be a lot of it's going to be technology led. Um, you know, we're, we're putting more work in with a partnership via interest on our on our triage procedures to get the right vehicle to the right repairer. Um, we we're doing a lot of work around our audit program. Um, you know, we're, we're we're turning that into a fully um, remote. Um, audit using a huge amount of video technology and technology through different systems that we've got now that allow repairers to provide an awful lot of information themselves that we can carry out an audit without losing any of the key things that we need in our audit skills, which means that I can actually use my audit team to spend more time focusing in areas where they need to in, in supporting repairers, um, which is going to be really interesting. So that will move um, into sort of like almost a, a consultative area. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for us moving forward, and, and I think for most people and most business, you know, big things would be technology people uh, and, and skills and training, um, because we are going to have to adapt moving forward um, in a different world. Um, so, yeah, uh, lots to think about. Great stuff. Thanks for that, Richard. And again, you know, often we, we come around full circle back to people once again and uh, recorded a good podcast the other day, which was, you know, all about people, people centric um, and how that propels businesses, really. Um, Luke, same sort of question to yourself, you know, ways of thinking, operating, you know, moving ahead. What 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 are we likely to to see? Yeah, um, I, touching back on the sustainability piece, I think we're all expected to do more with less. So less waste, less energy consumption, less CO2, less impact on the environment and yeah, just less. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, so a big part of that is, is about how we adapt to that. I think the digitalization thing that um, Richard mentioned is a real key point. Technology is going to be really key. Uh, and actually what we've been doing is, is actually um, just building more strategic partnerships. So communicating more, discussing with people that maybe we wouldn't have talked to uh, as much before. So it's not someone that's necessarily going to buy paint from us or that um, maybe even has influence on uh, the sale of paint. We still want to go out and 
be talking to people um, and and really meet up and chat through with people that have similar values to us on sustainability and innovation and and sort of supporting the, the customers. So that's sort of what we've seen certainly um, over the past couple of months, sort of post lockdown. And I think that's definitely going to continue into the future. I think the whole industry is just communicating more because we all need to stay agile and to try and react to whatever's coming our way. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely, and it's um, you know, it's it's great to hear the sort of different approaches really uh, that are stemming from this, and um, it's interesting to hear that you know you, you you just want the conversations with with the industry as a whole really rather than just those who possibly would buy buy products off off you traditionally. So um, again, final uh, poll for today. So one on the future. Um, so two year, two three years from now, how different do you feel the industry will be from what it is today? So one is no change, five is significant change. Cast your votes. Again, just a little bit of a gauge, all anonymous. We don't know who's voting for what, so uh, be interesting just to get a, a feel there. And uh, we'll come across to you, Stuart, in the first instance once the results are in, just to get your take on that and give people. A, a little bit more of a chance just to cast their votes. Okay. We'll say they're all in. And when you say that, more people vote. All right, there we go. So share the results. So a four on the scale of one to five. So pretty high uh, towards significant change in the next two to three years. Uh, 44%, uh, middle of the road, 34% kind of thing. Um, so again, just a little bit of a sentiment gauge, really. Stuart, two to three years time, um, you know, kind of what are your thoughts there in terms of, you know, the positives that, we, that we've learned from this, this, this um, you know, rocky period? I hope it's uh, a lot different than it is today. As much as uh, this is nice, I, um, I'm not a fan of working from home and Zoom and Teams and having gone back to the office a bit um, and spent some time with some people, I, I definitely felt more, pro more, more productivity and just a general better experience of work. So I think people will get back to working in a more normal way than they were. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about, about that. I think it'll be a hybrid. So I think that will encourage a lot of the old normal to, to return. And I think you see that in in society right now i think in terms of two or three years time i think the things that you know uh, the positives that will come out of this and you just talked about it in that last piece of technology is going to be really important i think people are going to be really important and i think it's the mixture of the two i don't think you can have great technology and bad people and bad people and great technology i think if you've got you know great people and great technology that mix will work really well together I think some of the positives as a business that we will certainly take away has been how much we've learned from our customers and by talking to them and understanding what people want. And I think a lot of the things that people want, we already knew were coming, but they've sped up. So automated transactions, um, technology enabling them to, you know, take a rental car a bit more like when you go on a flight with a, you know, a boarding pass type approach, um, looking at the connectivity and how we can, do things better. So again, in, the, in our in our world, that might be remotely accessing vehicles. Uh, and then from a claims perspective, you know, uh, Luke touched on it a minute ago. Uh, what about when the cars start notifying us and where do we fit in that kind of side of things in terms of, will the claim always come from a choice of a phone call as opposed to a, a reactive um, message from a car telling somebody or something somewhere and incidents occurred. So I think there's a lot on the horizon um, so I do think the the uh, the environment will change, but I do believe that really, really great people at the core of your business will mean that you'll get through that, whether they're on the front line or whether they're, you know, working on your systems and your technology in the background. I think that's going to be um, the positives that we've we've learned or we, we already knew, but I think they've come out to the fore during this as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And and Luke, I'll come across to you with with that idea. Then you know, two two to three years time, you've kind of said it yourself. You're, you're having conversations with all sorts of people now that perhaps arguably historically you wouldn't have. Um, you know, where, where do you see kind of yourselves and and what positives are you gleaned and taking with you on the journey going ahead? Well, I think we're seeing yeah, change is actually speeding up. So I think the fact that most people are saying significant or very strong likelihood that it's going to be different, I think is. Yeah, sort of finger on the pulse there that's how I feel it's going to be um, 
definitely around technology. We're going to have more people working from home that can. We're going to have more people contacting uh, each other remotely. Uh, that's going to continue. Uh, new tools. Uh, I think I said earlier on, this sort of time has been a, a real period of reflection for a lot of businesses. Um, and actually, I think it's been a, a real catalyst for change. So there's a lot of projects that have been started that have been being talked about for a few years before. And this this has been an opportunity and a positive opportunity to actually try and implement some of those things and make some of those changes. So I think it's going to look very different in the future. Um, from our side, uh, we believe that uh, when volumes get back to where they need to get back to, repairers are going to need to do more repairs. They're going to get more throughput, faster process times, more efficiency, and, and to do it more profitably. Um, and at the same time, there's going to be, a, we believe, a real push towards the sustainability in terms of the environmental impact as well. Um, so I think those that are going to be successful are going to be the people that combine those two areas Great stuff. Yeah. And I think, they, again, you know, that it doesn't stop, does it? There, there are so many factors at play that have arguably been highlighted by, by recent events um, and really brought to the fore that you can just see the next few years, you know, their prevalence just increasing within the industry and not only our industry, but, um, you know, across all businesses, really. And, and, and Richard, same sort of uh, question to you, you know, two or three years time, um, you know, nobody's got the crystal ball that everyone wants, um, unfortunately. But, um, you know, the positives that you've sort of gained from from recent times from, from an innovation perspective. Um. It's difficult being the last one here because everyone's already said everything that, you know, I, 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 I've got, you know, in my head, which is, you know, I think there's an awful lot of focus right now on where we're going to be in the next six to 12 months. And we are right to think about where we're going to be in, in three years time. And I agree with Stuart. I think there is going to be a bit more back to normal. Um, you know, hopefully at some stage there's, there's going to be some kind of vaccine rolled out. For this pandemic which which is going to be a big thing um everyone's touched on technology um people um training tools I, I, you know again something i mentioned earlier about um consumers and how they want to deal with insurers and repairs in the future you know other days of big call centers open 24 7 you know a thing of the past will people be looking for technology um as luke said you know Everyone likes to be contacted remotely now. Everyone likes texts. Um, you know, there's all the different social media um, and, and instant messaging devices out there. Um, I guess from my point of view, um, I'd just like to see lots more open conversations with people. I think that would be a change. I think that's something we've started to see maybe before the pandemic started with a drive for sides to come together, you know, we're all in this together, you know, Luke needs to sell paint, um, repairers need work, work needs, insurers need networks, you know, Stu needs to rent his cars. Um, we're all kind of in this together. Um, and I just think it, from my point of view, three years down the line, I'd like to see more technology, but I'd like to see more open conversations between us all to try and, you know, take learnings from what we've all gone through over the last 12 months and, and really have a better industry as a result of it. That's that's just my personal point of view. Well, that's a, that's a good personal point of view to have, Richard, that's for sure. Um, very quickly, um, I'm going to come to you on this one, Richard, because a question has come in regarding the future of fixed cost models. Um, now, again, you know, don't want to put you on the spot with this one. If it's something you want to take offline, then then we'll respond to uh, to Steve, who's asked the question. But um, is that something you can respond to at the moment? Um, not really, because it's not something that Innovation Group operate. Um, I know there are some insurers out there that operate fixed cost models. I know there's some businesses, some body shop businesses that have really made it work for them. Um, I know from reading forums, there are others that steer away from it with, you know, because it doesn't work for them. Um, I can't really comment to Steve on what the future looks like, not being in that environment where we operate a fixed cost model. Um, maybe it's something for another time. Um, maybe with some people who do operate those those models that could probably give a, a better insight than I can. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no point in second guessing these things, Richard. We'll direct that to the uh, to the relevant people. And again, you know, uh, from, from just sat here right now, is it just part of that work mix that, that Stuart's spoken about? So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll get that sorted. Um, so uh, very quickly, then we'll just have a quick kind of whistle round. Partnerships, very much a two way thing. Uh, you know, quick message to your supply chain partners as you sat here right now, Stuart. You're first up. I think it's got to be about open communication. We've talked about that consistently throughout that. And I think, again, I must sound like a broken record whenever I get on these things. But for me, the word partnership needs to be reflected in the behaviour. And true business partnership is where you help each other for a, a mutual kind of benefit. So there have to be well-aligned incentives where you and your business partner both are winners in, in, in the end, not one's a winner and one's a loser. Um, so for me, uh, it's all about listening to each other, being fair with each other, um, understanding what challenges each business have and trying to solve those collectively. So whether that's us being a supplier to people or working with our own supply chain, you have to actively listen to, to what you're being asked to do. Um, and I think the other piece for me that the pandemic's really shown is that I think some of the behaviours around buying of services have put undue pressures on businesses. And then when volumes, whether directly or indirectly, are impacted, the businesses fall over. So there has to be that, you know, it's not just about winning today, it's about having a healthy uh, supply chain, whatever that may be in the future. And you've just looped that perfectly back to sustainability for us, Esther. So I thank you. He's, God, he's good. He's good. Um, big storm going overhead. Last time I said that, I disappeared from the webinar. So just brace yourselves. Um, Luke, very quickly then, a uh, quick message to your um, your sort of supply chain. Yeah, um, similar to what Stuart was saying, really, let's keep talking. Um, it's only by us communicating and staying in touch, really, that we're able to stay agile as a partnership Um to say we're, we're all about building these strategic partnerships and they've got to work both ways um, and uh, almost rounding up on what Richard said before um, it's it's about all of us benefiting and all of us communicating because it is all of us that are um, stakeholders in this industry. Beautiful and the final say Richard comes across to you again your thoughts supply chain out there I know you talk to them regularly anyway but um yeah, I do talk to them regularly, and what I'd say to, to particularly my network, um, we will keep up the communications, whether you like it or not. Um, we will keep up with the newsletters that come out every month. Um, I don't know if anyone actually ever reads them. Um, similar to what Stuart said, it is a two-way street, though, as well. You know, if please keep talking to us. We we we, we need to work together to achieve goals. Um and, and grow businesses together. Um, and yeah, you know, talk to me, let me know what's going on in your world. Um, let's have these open two way conversations. Um, and give me feedback as well. You know, what do you want to hear from me? What do you want to see from me? Um, you know, a lot of repairers will take the communications and, and, and read them. Um, you know, if there's anything repairers really want to see from a network, come and talk to me let's see what we can do to help support you even even more um we've got some ideas and we've got a huge amount coming out in the next few months to help support our repairers but you know engage come and talk to me um you know we're, we're looking to run some more webinars we're going to run some more conference calls so yeah open communication and, and tell me how we can all work better together that's that's all i'd say right now like it Richard like it and that's a great way to round things off echoes sentiments from this side of the the uh, the webinar as well so any thoughts that attendees have or uh, of you you panelists obviously you know really appreciate the feedback just make sure we're continuing to hit the button in terms of what we do on a, on a bi-weekly basis so um we bi-weekly obviously with the webinars now next one on the 11th of november uh we've also got the arc 360 event which takes place week beginning the 23rd of november uh all of that information all of those sessions are available on the newly launched only yesterday, hot off the press, uh, ARC360 website. 
So, uh, yeah, it'd be great to see you there. Obviously, we've got the LinkedIn channel, ARC360 LinkedIn channel now as well. So we're just uh, creating content on there and that will be used as very much a sort of networking platform. So it'd be great to see all you guys on there. Keep your eye out for content, podcasts next week, uh, video recordings, insights that we publish via the website. Um, so a whole host of information out there. Huge thank you, obviously, to uh, Luke, Stuart, and Richard for joining us today. Thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Um, Stuart, you can get off to back to playing with the kids and doing what you need to do and whatever <laughs> else. Um, thanks very much for joining us, everybody. Again, as you leave, lovely to see some messages come into the, uh, the chat. Big thank you, as always, to finish off to our corporate partners and our partners. So BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, and our partners, Aztec, the Green Part Specialist, Indasa, and the Innovation Group. Thank you all once again. Have yourselves a fantastic uh, Wednesday afternoon. Take care, all. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. And so there we have it. Thank you once again to Richard, Stewart and Luke. And again, really interesting insight from across the industry. Uh, very interesting to see that their thoughts are aligning on various matters, communication, people and technology being the prime ones there. And uh, hopefully you got some insights from the polls. Again, keep an eye out on the ARC 360 website for the details from today's webinar and the poll results will be posted so a huge thank you to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, Aztec, Green Park Specialist, Indasa and the Innovation Group. This has been the audio recording of the ARC 360 webinar recorded on the 28th of October 2020. Hope you've enjoyed it and we look forward to catching up with you all soon.